Welcome to another episode of the Dicks in the Back Row, where we make fun of the good movies and trash the bad ones. I'm your co-host, Max Healy, in the free zone of Nashville, Tennessee. And over in most likely the nuked liberal northeast are Tim Begin and Mike Preble. How are you guys? I'm good. Uh, well, yeah, we're up here. This is where the Russians have colonized, because we're all socialists up here. This is the occupied zone, as, uh, as Mike can attest. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, they don't call Harvard Kremlin on the Charles for no reason. So, <laughs> right. So yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty dope up here. <laughs> and we also have Derek Brady. Where are you, Derek, this week? <laughs> I thought that was a blender at first. It's not. I'm in I'm in I'm in the heart of Middle America in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, wearing nothing but the stars and stripes. In my heart, on my head, on my balls and taint. I love this country so much after watching this movie. I, I, I hope that every one of you have your hands over your hearts right now. Alright guys. I hope you're ready to, to talk about un, how great... Is it unpatriotic for me to say that that was annoying? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, I just think it... I mean, we know which side of this movie you fall on, you goddamn Cuban. <laughs> hey, I mean, to be honest, like, I wouldn't... Right now, Cuba, Cuban cigars, Porchetta. Latino women with big butts. Yeah. I mean... Bring the song would, back? Yeah, yeah, I'd be there right now. The Dawson family. Oh yeah, the Dawsons. The Dawsons would be there, just fist bumping. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Well, let's just get this shitty movie started. So we're now in. Oh, three. oh no, 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 yes. Max. That's where I've got to stop you. <laughs> Why? Not shitty. No, not yet. Okay, I'm gonna we're fight now, you today. Mm. <laughs> we're now in week three of Swayze September. And this week we watched Red Dawn, or in my opinion, more like Red Yawn! Boo! Swayze September. A takedown of the century there, fellas. (laughs) From 1984, directed by John Millis? John Millius. John Millius. And starring Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, C. Thomas Howell, Powers Booth, stupid fucking name, Leah Thompson and Jennifer Grey. So I feel like uh, we need to distinguish here. This is a pre-age Charlie Sheen. Yes. Yeah. This is Charlie Sheen's first movie. This is Charlie Sheen's first movie. This was his first movie he ever did. I was gonna say Very it, interesting. it was almost similar to Chris Penn in uh, in Footloose. Like I, I had to double take and pause and be like, "Is that fucking Charlie Sheen?" He looked a lot like Martin Sheen in this. Than he ever looked like his dad in like any movie ever. This may be before all the drugs started kicking in, and then his eyes got all like fucking batty. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you one thing, also, guys. This is easily the least amount of notes I've taken on a movie because this movie is fucking perfect. Okay, well, I'm gonna disagree because this is probably the most notes I've ever taken, and it's just rants of me just. Mm-mm. All right, we'll talk about that later, though. Well, I didn't like this movie. I feel like this movie was like the 1980s version of Boondock Saints. Like, it's, everyone just says it's badass, and you loved it when you are 12, but in reality, it's just stupid as shit. It's just incredible how wrong you are. I feel like this is the Muppets do World War III. I, you know, Max, I, like, I'm not the one to say it, but, like, 
I'm right, you're wrong, and I fucking hate you. You know the meme of the redneck just holding the American flag with a shotgun during a hurricane? Yeah. I know where you're getting at, Max, and again, This movie's a two-hour version of that meme. So I think mm. on a more, like, technical level, just like a movie structure level, I there was never any, like, any, like, premise built in. There was never any, like, clear objective defined. It was just, oh. like, they were just... They, the Russians came, and then they went into the mountains, and then they just killed some Russians, and, like, the, there was no, like, objective they were working towards or anything of the sort. It was just kind of like, they fought some Russians, and then it ended. I uh, see. Tim, again, I've got to disagree. The objective in this movie was survival. And that's what, that's what they did. They fought to the end, man. Wolverines! <laughs> You see, I just, I just disagree. There's no flow to this movie. There was no. Art. I can't. There's no can't character development to... at all. Yeah, like right. none of the. Well, characters I will agree it. there. I will agree there because there, there were plenty of times in this movie that, like, I was looking at a character and I was like, "What's his name again?" Yeah. <laughs> I don't know any of the names of these characters. I'm gonna call everybody by just the famous people, and the other ones, I'm just gonna call it that guy because I have no <laughs> idea who the fuck they are. Like, I don't feel like we even got Swayze's character name until like 30 minutes in. But again, perfect fucking movie. And you are all very wrong. Hmm. All right. So. Yeah. Well, I just want to just know first, too. Like, who's this movie for? Because it's not for the troops, because they're fucking useless in this movie. It's not for the police, because they don't exist. Like, I think the, like, the message of this movie is just, if teenagers have RPGs, they can defeat anybody. I mean, it, uh. it, it's, 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 a, it's a commentary on coming together and, and cohesiveness and teamwork yeah. The, the Russians and the Cubans, which, by the way, no one's mentioned the Cubans yet. Apparently, you guys didn't even fucking watch this movie, so... Um, oh, no, I have plenty of comments on the Cubans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, let's I don't, dive in, and let me prove to every single one of you how you're wrong about this movie. Let's get it. Let's get into it. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we all... Yeah, let's just do it. it. All right. Well, the first 30 seconds proves that the United States is the best fucking country in the world, because every other country goes to shit, and the United States stands tall. Yeah, so I didn't know this movie was like an alternate universe movie either. I was kind of surprised by that the second it came on, which got me intrigued to start off. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So they're setting it up in like a different light. But uh, you get some exposition about the U.S. being isolated after several European countries leave NATO and uh, the Soviet Union just expands across the globe. And then right away you meet Swayze. And uh, even though he's 32, he definitely does look a lot younger in the beginning of this movie. He looks scared too for most of the movie. Uh, I did notice that, which was contrary to the Dirty Dancing and Roadhouse, where he looks like an absolute badass the whole time. He looks a little scared during this movie, which he had no reason to be. He also noticed just how like the film quality in the beginning is like kind of grainier and shittier than it is like later on. <laughs> there were a lot Everybody of B roll shots that yeah. were like that. It was like they didn't have any lighting outside or something. Like it just looks old. Like it was like. like- yeah, like they just stole like this B like footage from like a National Geographic movie of like here are mountains. And it's like when the fuck did you find this tape it's like, from 1963? <laughs> it's like look at this, and they colorized it, and I was like, oh wow. There, there was we're expanding like west. A, <laughs> there was more like a bald eagle was circling like a mountaintop, and it was it, it legitimately looked Great. a quarter of the quality of the rest of the movie. I mean, it wasn't even close. But, all right, so getting into the pretty much the, what happens right away. So you're in history class, and then just a bunch of Soviet troops just parachute into the school grounds out of nowhere and then just promptly start killing everybody. 
And uh, the teacher comes out. He's like, hey, what you guys doing? And then he just gets mowed down. And then they just promptly kill everyone that's standing in the window. Which, by the way, that teacher was fucking stupid. I mean, he's seeing them, like, unloading and and propping up automatic rifles. And he's just walking out like, hey, guys, like, I think you landed in the wrong fucking spot. You could assume, though, like, it would just be like, oh, like, what is this, like a military exercise? And then, because it's not like they have, like, a big friggin', like, sickle and whatever the fuck you call it. Hammer. Yeah, hammer. Ha- I mean, you could assume that, but, uh, I mean, when they're when they're literally pulling the, the, the supports down for automatic rifles and pointing them at you, that, that would be a pretty good clue that you probably need to stop approaching. Well, I, say, just, I, I was just going to say that, I mean... If it was ki- if it was students nowadays, they would know exactly what to do because this is that's basically like a regular day at school in American schools now. It's just like people running in with automatic weapons and just having to run. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's a good. That's actually a great commentary Tim, on today's time. And it also, I think this also shows where like Derek and my's brain were at because he initially was like, "This guy, the teacher is so dumb," and I was like, "Yes, of course, because why? He's teaching them about the Huns, right, or like <laughs> yeah. the Mongols, and like he, war." But, yeah, but the thing is, he has a picture of, like, the Han Dynasty behind it. I'm like, bro, those don't exist at the same period of time. Like, they just put, like, all Asian cultures together as one. Yeah, they're that all was, the same. That's what I took away from that. Exactly. And I was like, that's not right at all. And that's what I thought Paco was going to talk about. And then he was like, oh, no, just different. Never mind. <laughs> oh, so wait, he didn't get a degree in history. Never mind. Yeah, no, he's the same. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no history degree? Oh, okay. One of the first things I noticed about this movie was that I was really... I was impressed that Swayze was able to get the jackalope antlers off the truck from, <laughs> from uh, Footloose. You know, uh, he pulled up, and I was like, oh, that's, "That's clearly the same fucking truck." So, I mean, the thing—I mean, just commenting on the movie, how it like takes place, like that's what we do in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> But so the whole thing like sort of devolves, right? The the Russians land, they start shooting people in the school, right? And then all of a sudden everyone's running to their cars and then P- Swayze just comes out of nowhere and just comes back. It's like we don't even find out like how he figured it out or like wh- he just automatically uh, reappears with the truck and then gathers all the pertinent characters and then they're Tim. off to the woods. Tim. It's like there Tim. is no plot development. They're just no. like, well, I mean, these people need to be wrong. together, get into you're the wrong. truck. I hate to tell you guys you're wrong, but when I mean they they show a shot later from a neighborhood when you can see the parachutes coming yeah. down. He probably turned around and was like, "This is that's not right." Was, that's what I was gonna say. He probably just like looked up. And he's like, "Where the fuck all these troops come from?" Yeah, maybe I should turn that back is around. True, though, why would he go back to the school? Like right. he's like, family. Oh, something's wrong. Gonna get, me yeah. go back. Gonna get my brother. I just drop them off. Yeah, I get that. That's a small so, stuff. I mean, that's guys, you're really trying do. to poke holes in this movie. And I'm, I hate to be the one to break it to you. You're going to find none. Well, we're going to just gonna completely find, defeat I'm gonna, I'm gonna you find by one the end of this movie. I'm going to find one immediately because for some reason, the Soviet Union thought that Bumblefuck Colorado was like <laughs> the most important place to take over like yeah. right away. Like Again, they explain it, communications. Later in the movie, they explain it, communications towers. Also in Colorado, don't There's communication know this, the towers Air Force, everywhere. The Air Force yeah. Academy is located... In Colorado Springs, Colorado. Well, maybe no they should have invaded Colorado Springs, Colorado instead of Bumblefuck, Colorado with like five people in town. Hey, yeah, why is no this a fucking holes outpost? in this movie? That's the thing. Like, I, I like I had written down like it would make sense if the Rockies had like a secret missile base that the town didn't know about, and like or like they had like a major like food supply or something. But instead, it's just like the fucking town from Footloose 
It's like a population of like 60 people and like literally 300 troops show up and just start killing everybody. This is what I gleaned from. At one point they say, well, uh, I think the colonel later in the in the movie says like, oh, they took over, you know, like uh, the West Coast and part Alaska. of the East Coast. And they took over yes. yeah, Alaska and part of Colorado for the, because of the passes in Colorado. Like all of a sudden this is Oregon Trail and the only <laughs> way to get to the, the Western Seaboard is through the passes of the Rocky Mountains. You're able to transport like hundreds of thousands of troops from fucking Russia all the way to the other side of the world, but you need to go through passes of mountains. Right, exactly. It's- so the next thing I'd written down, though, was uh, thankfully Swayze is there to save all the cool kids. It's damn right. Yeah. I mean... And they're just driving away from all this murder. Except then- for Danny. Danny fucking sucked. Who is Danny? I don't even yeah, know Yeah, I was going to say, I don't even remember who he is. Danny was the yeah. pussy that wanted... That was like, we should uh, surrender five minutes uh, into the movie. student body president guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, the yeah. mayor's son. After this, uh, you get this sweet bumper sticker... That says you can take my gun when oh they pry from my cold dead fingers, and then on cue <laughs> you see this dead guy in a soldier prize from his cold dead fingers. <laughs> all, all of a sudden, <laughs> thinking that entire time was like, "Don't fucking do that! Don't <laughs> fucking do it! Don't! don't oh god damn it! They did it!" Uh, I like that part. Um, but also, this is—it's like D-Day, but in Colorado. Like this town is just quickly getting detained, and like fucking rock, rocket launchers are like flying left and right. They're just mowing down everybody and just pushing everybody into the center of town. Within um, five minutes of this movie, you see a rocket launcher go down a school hallway. <laughs> That's when I was like, yes. When I saw this when I was like 14, I was like, fuck yes. Just kind of crazy again. It's like, you know, if this is supposed to be like a modern war, like battlefield where they're like, this is a surprise attack. Do you think they actually would be killing all the citizens if they were like just surrendering? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they'd just be cold-blooded murdering everybody. They're Russians, man. There's no explanation yeah, trying, for them. I was going to say, other than the fact that they're just trying to pick the Russians as, like, cold, calculating murderers, it's like... I love it. They took, they took two of the easiest targets, too. They were like, hmm, who are the commies in this world today? Oh, the Russians and the Cubans. That's who we <laughs> want to fucking attack. But, and some occasional see, Nicaraguans. Like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. like, yeah, when, when did Nicaragua become a, a military power? Well, that's what I'm... That's, what well, about, they have lots of space Cuba back too. in the day. Uh, Noriega, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this true. is 1984, that's so that's why. <laughs> but true. still, both those countries aren't like in re- in reality. Like Cuba and Nicaragua are more like sympathetic countries where they've had they had like small military uprisings and, and then they were exploited by the two superpowers. They aren't these like mm. cold blooded like superpowers that are trying to pit it against each other for world domination. I I think the whole Cuban element I could do without. I like Cuban people. I like their food. <laughs> I like their Latin dancing. I like you the know, women. They're overrated yeah. baseball players. And I was going to say, where are the baseball players going to come in here? Yeah. This no, podcast wait. is dedicated to Rusny Castillo. <laughs> Rusny. The most expensive minor league player in baseball history. Hey, he's guys, been, I, don't know if you know, I don't know if you know this. He won the minor league MVP this year. He did, and he's killing it at Pawtucket, guys. So It's worth every cent of that $100 million <laughs> that the Red Sox spent on him. Win this the is Talking Socks with Max, AAA. Tim, and Prebs. Talking Socks. Back at it. All right. Well, you can tell that we're really enjoying this movie because we're talking about fucking minor league baseball players. Um, all right. So the next thing happens though is, is that, um, oh, sorry, uh, the kids get to one of the dad, one of their dads. I don't know who the fucking kid is, but they get to the dad's gas station and they're getting all the necessary materials like tents, footballs, cokes, sprite, soup, and uh, bullets. Yeah, yeah bullet. rifles, arrows. Don't forget those. <laughs> Available yeah, at every was, local gas station. I was about to say that this gas station 
was fucking prepped. Like, they were ready. This also where they have, like, my favorite line. One of my favorite lines in the entire movie where it's, quote, it's in the background, but it's get, get some toilet paper. I ain't using no leaves. <laughs> Which is just, I mean, like, correct. Like, right. But you know what? You can just, you can grab that yourself. You don't need to make a big announcement about, like, <laughs> hey, just so you guys know, I'm not one of those leave guys. I, I, I like I like my cotton. You know, it's like, I like my two-ply. It's like. If you don't get that toilet paper, I'm surrendering us all right now. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather be in an internment camp than wipe my ass with bark. <laughs> no, 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 what was it? A re-education camp? Yeah, that's what it's called. Oh, it's coming. Oh yeah. So they're on the road and uh, they get attacked by this roadblock of Soviets, but they're able to get away with crossfire support from a U.S. chopper, which is probably like one oh, of the what? only time in the movie in which like the U.S. military military does anything. This, th- these kids in the back, because there's like three or four of these kids in the back of the truck, they would all fucking be dead. Because oh, Swayze yeah. goes over these hills like fucking Grim Reaper in a fucking, <laughs> like, like he, I, the, the one shot, I know they had to cut it off early because the kid flew out the back of the truck and broke <laughs> his neck. Because he's trying to hang on. He goes over a hill and one kid is six feet out of the bed of that truck. Well, you know the Malayas then just went over to him like Jennifer Grey later on in the movie and just like fucking tapped him in the head. It's like, we need a new extra. <laughs> Which, by the way, Jennifer Grey, I was surprised how small of a role she played in this movie. Everybody has a small role in this movie. If you didn't know who Jennifer Grey and Leah Thompson and Charlie Sheen were, you would not even know that they existed because nobody else. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, Max, Charlie uh, Sheen played a big It's actually big Marty role. McFly's mother. You're right, Mrs. McFly, excuse me. And Mrs. Uh, McFly, yeah, just I, I want to make sure we're respecting her. <laughs> <laughs> also, stupid move by uh, played C. Thomas a big Howell. dick role in this movie. I was just going to say, stupid role, or stupid move by uh, C. Thomas Howell, just like wasting a shotgun shell out of, uh, out of like straight excitement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, had, they had like 50 shotgun shells. And then you see it later. I will say this is this is an inconsistency because you see them later when the the, the pilot gets there, or whatever, and they've got like eighteen fucking rocket launcher rounds and fucking a whole barrage of of ammunition. So I don't. What's the inconsistency? I mean, it. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The one inconsistency I find with this movie is they always went on these attack missions without a vehicle. So how did they transport the ammunition back? That's the only inconsistency in this movie. Outside of that, it's fucking perfect. We're already kind of getting too far into, or we're taking way too much time. I was going to talk about the radiator thing and peeing, but that just means nothing to this fucking movie. Oh my god, I wrote the line down. When you get older, you'll know these things, Danny. Now get up here and piss in the radiator. (laughs) (laughs) Just another like, coming of age story. Like, yeah. If I had a nickel for every time I was told that, this is an Oscar-nominated writer who made this movie. Mm. <laughs> I laugh my ass Pity off on it. when he said that. With a deer hunter, and this is what we think about. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, when I when I came of age, you know, I hit puberty, and my dad was like, "About time for you to piss in that radiator, boy." <laughs> oh, now drink this sense. deer blood. Maybe that's just the South. Oh, all right. So um, now the chopper's back later on, and he's shooting at the town center, uh, which has now been taken over by all the Soviets. And you meet Colonel Bella. And uh, by the way, the actor's name is Ron O'Neill, who plays Colonel I Bella. Know. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah, and awesome. uh, yeah, he whips the team. Ron into... O'Neill speaks great Spanish. Yeah, he's just <laughs> crushing it. Good job, Ronald O'Neill. <laughs> 
But uh, he whips the team into shape by telling them they need the, you know, where certain positions they need to get themselves into. And then he also tells his KGB officer they get a list of every gun-carrying person in this town. So then you cut back into the woods, and this little fucking pussy Daryl, who is the son of the mayor, says that they all should turn themselves okay, in. Because, you know, the Soviets are shooting everybody in sight, but if they turn themselves in, I'm sure they'll be fine. Daryl. Fucking Daryl. We'll find out more about him later, but fuck Daryl. Yeah. And then they um, they also do decide to uh, all stay together and make Swayze their leader, which is the smartest thing they did in this entire movie. Well, Swayze's the oldest. It makes sense. You know, he's been around the block. He's drank, got, he's, he's drank deer blood before. Yep. When you got clackers that hang that low, you know what I mean? <laughs> that You're just the obvious leader, so... I mean, big dick energy. All right, so you fast forward a few weeks later, and it seems like uh, you know this has kind of turned into the Lord of the Flies, and they shoot a deer, and then Swayze and Charlie Sheen tell this other kid to drink the deer's blood. What the fuck were they saying about, like, Dad says you have to, it changes you. Like, who the fuck is uh, your dad? Well, here's the thing. That was actually a conversation that made sense, because that dude, and I, again, no fucking clue what his name was in this movie, but after that, he becomes an absolute fucking savage. I was going to say, is that the same dude? Because yeah. then... No, he yeah. becomes a savage because he finds out his dad dies. <laughs> he doesn't become a savage because he drank the deer blood. No, no, Tim. He, he but that's, that's the, he craves that's the, the thirst of blood. That's it. That's, that's the transition, man. I, I also just want to point out that what they're wearing is not camouflage. Like, they just, like, stuck twigs to themselves. <laughs> There's one point yeah, where they poke, they, like... Like pop over and they're just holding like pine needles to their face. I'm like, God damn it. Like that's not even fucking close to what camouflage is supposed to be. If Rebel, anything's making you bigger. wrong. That's where you're wrong. <laughs> because when you're when you're desperate, when you're in the woods and you're surviving, you find anything to make it work. As toilet paper. I think I, I, you can make the argument it very much does work in this movie. Really bamboozle that deer, I'll tell them that. <laughs> I don't know. I've followed, I've followed many a people around with a couple of twigs in my hair, and they avoid me like the plague. So I think it actually works. <laughs> I just imagine Tim crawling around the streets of Boston with, with two evergreen branches above each ear. Just splashing dirty puddles into his face. <laughs> camouflage they're walking the town and it's just this absolute war zone going on right outside of it and uh, once they actually get into the town center it's like occupied Poland you know just burning books and all that and yeah. this is now the second movie that we've uh, seen burning books but uh, <laughs> fortunately no abortions in this one well we don't know that guys we don't know that so it seems as though when they get into the town, it's like, it's not all that unfree of a town. I mean, they're still able to walk around without being questioned. You'd think that, uh, you know, being Soviet Russia occupied, they would have been, like, asked for papers along the way. But. Right, right. These people are a- able to pretty easily come and go as they please. Yeah, that's occupation, though. I mean, you got to keep things rolling. you got to act like nothing's going on so people don't revolt. Well, yeah, I mean, within the town, but you don't let people come in from outside the town. Yeah, but because they, they there's, didn't there's know a that. well, there's a point they say, you know, the, the, when they when they first go into the town and they they see the girl at the like department store, or whatever. The girl tells them, "Oh, they know who you are, and they're looking for you." Well, I mean, this is not before the day of photography. Like, <laughs> I mean, you would think they have like their their. You know, yearbook photo to at least reference to. I think they do. And, 
They do at the end. Yeah, but it was they do at the end, but not the be- uh, apparently at the beginning. They just don't give a shit yeah. because these seven, five, seven guys are able to just walk right into the town like nothing's the fucking matter. But yeah, past told- like twenty five people who are conceivably looking for them. Yeah. Well, this yeah. what I think is crazy is like the the woman at the cashier is like the KGB is looking for you, and if that was like actually true, these these kids would all be dead. <laughs> they would like, find the KGB you. KGB <laughs> isn't like a joke. That's why I think she's just wrong. She's like, oh, I think like the Russians are using, and then she was like, oh, like co- like colloquially, she's like, oh, the KGB is looking for you. I'm like, the KGB would know where these kids are, like have them dead already, and like there wouldn't have been a problem. No, they would just torch Trouble. the woods. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, and we'll get to that later, but... Ugh, all this Preble, shit. None of this makes sense. Preble, Preble, you're trying to sit here and tell me... I, I want you to cla- uh, clarify this. You're trying to sit here and tell me that you don't think Patrick Swayze could out- outthink the KGB? Not that I don't think he could outthink, you know, he's not like he's now foxing or anything. I just think, like, within, like, what, like, a week, the KGB's on these, like, four teenagers, and they're, like... Indiscriminate. I don't actually don't know how old like Patrick Swayze is supposed to be in this 32. movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thirty-two. You know, regular. But like, yeah. I mean, I don't think like the, I don't think like you know Moscow is on like you know the main priority isn't like anything else other than finding these five random kids in some like Colorado foothills. Yeah, but I mean, um, so they find out though that the Russians and Cubans are the ones who took over the town, and you know they've sent all the troublemakers to this re-education camp. And once you actually get there, which is at the town drive-in, it seems like they're like lobotomizing people in the back seat of like these fucking El Caminos. <laughs> well, first off, Patrick Swayze at one point does say, and I will admit this is a second hole in the movie. They've been in the woods for I think a month at this point, and uh, Swayze says, "Yeah, I tried to call my father." This is years wow. before cellular phone technology existed. So how did that happen? He just yelled. Bird calls. Yeah. Yeah. Is it two cans and a string? Like he just yelled over the mountain. Avenge me! Ah! Oh my god, the avenge me line. It's like Uh, the most unnecessary, out of the blue, unnecessary piece of dialogue ever put into a movie. Strongly, could I disagree more? Let's get get right into that. So you meet uh, Matt and Jeb because that's their actual names of uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Swayze. You meet his dad. And they look all sad, and they're kind of crying. And their dad just justifies being just like a mean old son of a bitch father because now look what's happened. <laughs> I, I saw this beat the shit boys. out of you. Do you understand why now? And then they also ask like, "What happened to mom?" And you just assume that either they raped and took her away, or they just raped and murdered her because he just gives this very you know unenthusiastic look, and it's like she's gone. And then they all start crying again. And at this point, I was like, what fucking movie am I watching? Like, I thought this was going to be like Rambo 3. And it's more like The Pianist. It would be hilarious if the whole mom being gone had nothing to do with the occupation. He was just like, oh yeah, she divorced me. (laughs) She left yesterday. Yeah, exactly. She She couldn't take it. She couldn't take my drinking anymore. (laughs) I don't know know if you guys realize this, but but Russians are actually pretty sympathetic people. They They were allowing the prisoners to watch cartoons on the big screen back there. Yeah, Clockwork Orange cartoons. Yeah. Those people are screaming. <laughs> well, actually, what is it? One of the movies they're having show is like Alexander Nevsky, which is like a famous Russian film about like how great Russia is from like a 13th century perspective. So, <laughs> fun fact, gang. Fun fact. Thank you, Preble. You are welcome. There's that history kicking in. Welcome to the PBS History Hour. <laughs> <was> Mike Preble. <laughs> 
This is when I asked why I started soliciting all of our zero nationwide audience to give us dollars. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop producing this content. <laughs> yeah, everybody write, review, and donate to the podcast. <laughs> all right. Yeah, and then the dad throws out the, a few avenge me's just for good measure. And, um, like, why would he yell that? Like, you're just yeah. giving away the position of your kids by saying that. My heart right. skipped a beat when that happened. <laughs> you're in a detention center or a detention camp, and you're keeping all the possible, like, people who could fight back inside. Like, wouldn't there be soldiers patrolling the perimeter? Max, yeah, I think Max. so, but the Max, least secure detention Max. camp ever. You're right. They can't speak English. They're from Russia and Cuba. It's, the Soviets fucking suck at being soldiers, except for the first five minutes of this movie. Like, they're, <laughs> they're like the Titans versus Patriots in the playoffs last year. Like, they come out with a great game plan on the first drive of the game, they score quickly, and then they just completely forgot that they had to play the rest of the game, and then they end up just getting blown out. <laughs> like, this is a perfect analogy of what this movie is. That's what, that's what this national audience wants. Let's talk about the Patriots. Let's talk about the 2007 oh, divisional pl- AFC division. This, this podcasting game. commenter group doesn't even want to talk about the Patriots. <laughs> Ugh. All right. So but then, the whole like of avenge me thing. The whole like event. Why avenge that me. line? Why that line? He could have done something. You could have like had another piece of dialogue that's a little more subtle, but just as meaningful. You had to go with like this big grandiose avenge me. You know, it's like yeah, God, yeah. it's like that's what I was gonna say. It cuts against his whole character. His whole character is like I'm a simple folk. I'm a simple man. I trained you for simple things. And at the very end, Guys. he does like the most melodramatic thing of all time. Yeah, he just screams right. out, "Avenge me." He could have right. a good dialogue they, of like him I'm, being like, "This is what we've been preparing for, and you got to show these sons of bitches what you're all made about, and you're my blood." Like he could have had some, you know, some great dramatic line, but instead, it's just. I'm just concerned great. that you guys even watched this movie because, I mean, that movie was the the premise on what the Wolverine movement was based upon. Oh, it's a movement now. Oh, it's a movement, <laughs> and and boy, did they move around. <laughs> trees <laughs> all right gonna, so uh, they meet their dad's just friend mr mason and he has a ranch outside of town he tells the kids that they're in the middle of ww3 and they're 40 miles into enemy territory and also one of the other kids who i don't even know uh was uh his dad was killed as well so was this He's the kid that kid? drank the deer blood? Okay. Yeah, All right. I was going to say, that's his dad. So that's the, the trigger. The gas station guy. Yeah, that's exactly. Dead, right? Yeah. And so now he goes, he, now he's off the deep end. He's like a, you know, a sociopathic just killing machine here. <laughs> that's not what sent him off the deep end. It was definitely the deer blood. Whatever, Secret. like, mad cow-like disease he got from the deer blood. <laughs> I love it. The, 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 he says, like, four times after he drinks that deer blood. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. I want more. It wasn't that bad. Give me more. Hey, Swayze. It really wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, we, you know we what? Get, we got it. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then you also meet uh, Mr. Mason's hot granddaughters, who are Jennifer Gray and Leah Thompson. And- up, 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 up. Mrs. McFly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the lack of decorum, Max, is just it's appalling. Quote, sons of bitches tried having their way with them. I, I like how these, like, oh yeah, by the way, I got some super hot granddaughters on my floorboards. You can have them. Yeah, like, right. why can't they come up too? Do you know what I mean? Like, 
Like, why are they always down there? That, that actually might explain a whole other thing, why they're so, like, just kind of fucked up anyway. Maybe it's just because their grandfather just kept them in the floorboards before all this shit happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was going to say, what's the lead in the movie that, like, did, like, what's uh, uh, Mrs. McFly is, like, you know, they're just like, oh, you don't talk much. Like, yeah, probably because she was in a basement for, like, five <laughs> weeks and you didn't live her upstairs. He does so, call them, like, some family heirlooms. He just, like, <laughs> you know, make them, like, inanimate objects when he's talking about them, so. Second well, generation, I mean, just cellar-dwelling women. Right. Well, honestly, I mean, we've been on the topic before, but I feel like it's time to revisit it. Uh-oh. You know, Schindler's List. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Diary of Anne Frank. I feel like this is a parallel for that, that, that book. Uh, I mean... You know, it's someone that needed help, but wasn't granted help. And this kind of twists the script and someone that was granted help in that, that same instance. Wow. <sighs> right. Right. Wow. Right, guys. Don't you guys agree? And I thought I had the history degree, <laughs> you know, but it turns out it's, it's Paco. Hey, Tim, Tim, don't you think I'm right? <laughs> oh, um... This is the disclaimer to all future and uh, present employers. Please disregard <laughs> I'm not involved in any of these previous statements. The comments Moving made in this podcast are not by the opinions of anyone actually conducting this podcast. <laughs> but there's one point where the, where the old man at one point says... There, I think I have this right. That there are these stories about people, quote, like waking up with their throats cut. It's <laughs> a hell of a way so. to wake up. I, you know, I was gonna say I don't think so. <laughs> I think that might be. I think either they're waking up after being like accidentally, you know, like pricked, or like these people are like monsters who can live while like blood is pouring out of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm pretty like, sure you don't wake up from that. Yeah, I was gonna say usually you die. I thought that's the whole point. Yeah, here, here I am. Been using this alarm clock for like 27 years or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All you gotta do is slit your throat, and you'd wake up. You know. Yeah, how do you think I? How do you think I get up every day at six a.m.? Actually, I've witnessed that Paco on my couch. <laughs> throat slitting. Tim walked, Tim walked into his living room, was just like, "What the fuck happened?" Oh no. <laughs> uh, all right. So later on, these Russians are taking selfies at this landmark, and uh, Jennifer Grey just starts panicking and falls off this rock where they're hiding behind. The kids fight back, and one of this one of these Russians just gets arrowed in the back. And goes, uh. <laughs> yeah, that might have the, been my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> the least convincing die acting ever. Uh. He goes, uh, uh. My uh, back. And then reaches for his friend his, or his comrade. Uh. And then Jennifer Grey shoots him, and she almost falls off the mountain again. I mean, like, I kind of like the scene because it just shows, like, they're, how bad they are at this. But, like, just, dude, like, almost sheer luck they win. So I'll give that compliment to this movie. It was, like, a good, like, introduction for some of these people being like, oh, okay, like, they're actually not professional, like, murderers yet. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, a few more soldiers get shot as well. And then the finale of it being uh, Swayze just contemplating whether or not to shoot this younger soldier, uh, whether to do it or not. And he does. Bingo. It becomes a recurring theme. It's like mercy or death, and death always wins. Yeah, they, they, I mean, at, at multiple points, they say, we can't do that. How We're not going to be, we're no better than them if we do that. And then they promptly do that. Yes. They promptly just kill them. Just proving that we're no better than them. Yeah, let's just do it anyway. 
Right. But we are okay. because, you know, land of the free, home of the brave. Am I right, boys? That's right. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Max's like, yeah, sure, let's move this Don't right tell now. the Middle East that. <laughs> uh, so then uh, you find out that the mayor's assisting with the Soviets, that son of a bitch. And I think we may have skipped past a point. I don't, I don't know think if we're we did. if we've skipped past no. it or no, we didn't. What about the point where Charlie Sheen? Completely... What about the point when the Soviets get shot? Did we miss that part yet? I was oh, going to say that's the... this entire fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying the point where Charlie Sheen completely emasculates a woman for not doing the dishes. I, think I didn't even write that down. He emasculates a woman. How do you emasculate a woman? <laughs> <laughs> Good point, Tim. Good Tim points that argument. Yeah, All right, moving on. <laughs> so uh, then a bunch of, in parentheses, troublemakers in town are lined up and shot while saying in America the Beautiful, as we heard earlier, and uh, including Sw- uh, Swayze and uh, Charlie Sheen's dad, and then right. another kid's dad as well. All while the, ma- the mayor is watching, because yes. he's a little pansy. Yeah, that mayor is a fucking bitch. So yeah, that mayor is also the guy from Major League, right? Yes. <laughs> You're telling me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? Oh, no, that's not that. No, that's not, no, that's not, that's not guy. that guy. No. Different guy. Oh, I'm actually going to want to edit that part out to avoid no, looking he looks, like an yeah, that, No, that guy's much more dumb looking. All right. No. It's like the, but, I will, but I will say, one, I literally wrote one. in my notes that the only bad Americans are politicians in this movie. Yeah. It's like, okay. Of course. True. Or like the politicians' son. But also, again, like... I don't understand, wh- like, why does he matter in this movie? Like, he shows up initially to, like, talk about stuff, and then he appears at this execution, and then that's the last time we ever see him. Like, right. Like, what yeah. is his value to the movie? Like, waste. other than just him being there while these things are happening. Well, and, and they say, like, he's the shepherd of the community. Like, you, you can't sit here and tell me that this attack would, was, was going down the way it was, and that... The president or the governor or you know, something, somebody like that wouldn't step in. Yeah, uh, like the police captain or like the sheriff or somebody that's actually has some kind of law enforcement background. Well, though they would they would get rid of them because the mayor doesn't have any kind of forcible, you know, authority. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. It's I just think it's on, Max. Think about think about insurgency here for a second. No, but I think it's the what, one. Yeah. The one link, like the one reason that the mayor was still around, probably, and this is the only reason, I'm with you, but this is the only thing I can think of, is that later in the movie when his son, like, turns on them all. True. Like, that's like a, that's like a link, you know, that's like a force that would prompt the son to go back and turn on him. I but would agree they, with they that. They don't, they don't establish, they don't establish that at all. So there's yeah. not really, like, any no. reason why you'd think it. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it's like he, it seems like they're like making him into a character that's like going to persist throughout the movie, right? Like he's going to be some weird like liaison. He's obviously like untrustworthy, right? And it does kind of happen, like you're saying at the end, but it's just like that, that, uh, if that was the reason he was in the movie was to have that end about like the betrayal, it's like, we could have done that without you being here at all. Right. Exactly. All right. So, uh, Swayze September. Speaking of Swayze, so he tells everybody to not cry and just pretty much just turn the grief into violent anger towards somebody else. And very then, adamant, no one cries anymore. Swayze very cries adamant. again, even though Crazy Swayze like cries like three Swayze times before the end of this movie. movie. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. Now I recognize who the mayor is. He's the coach. He's the bad coach. He's the Mighty bad Ducks. coach from Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Yeah, that's, oh, right. that's yeah. who he is. I was like, this guy Long is sport. so familiar to me. Like, who are you? That's who he is. Okay. Funny enough, that's another Sheen brother, too. 
It is. I know. Emilio. Emilio. Estevez. Emilio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fun fact, too. I was going to say later on, but originally Swayze's uh, character, they, they offered it to Emilio, but uh, he couldn't do it because of uh, scheduling conflicts. So it would have been Emilio and Charlie in this movie. Oh, my God. That would have been mm. more unwatchable than this already is. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, great call going with Swayze. Yeah. Having Emilio the- as a leader be like, oh, they're doomed. Swayze was a flag carrier for our generation. I don't know about um, our not our generation. generation. <laughs> An American patriot. How old are you? This is when we find out Paco's actually 50 old enough to know old. that that Patrick Swayze is an American icon, hero, and, and I mean a torchbearer for this country. I understand now why Derek likes this movie so much. It's because yeah. he too was a thirty-two-year-old high schooler. <laughs> <laughs> With this trophy right. with him, like, oh, God. Hey, hey, Max. Hey, Max. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, by the way, later- I, was just look- I was just looking at the guys. <laughs> I was just looking at the guy, uh, the, the, the guy that we were talking about, the mayor's filmography. He was in a movie, Tim, you'll appreciate this, called Soggy Bottom USA. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> the, the yeah. only, I could the only imagine the uh. character. The character he portrayed was Smiling Jack. Oh God! That's about right. <laughs> and the movie before that, he he portrayed a character called Tug Barnes. Oh! Oh my God! So this guy is just like a prolific pedophile actor, then. You, oh, you'd think he couldn't have played a more slimy role than he'd played in uh, Red Dawn, but Holy apparently he did. Shit. You didn't see him as Tug Barnes. Later on, Jennifer Grey is used as bait at a gas station, and uh, a tank pulls up at to get gas. Grey shows up on a bicycle, and they rob her, but what they robbed was a grenade. Jennifer Grey's boom. favorite, by the way. And fucking boom! It kills a few soldiers. And uh, after that, she's uh, chased by the remaining troops, and the kids pop out of the ground and shoot them all. And honestly, this was probably like the best ambush of any if, of all of them. Oh, I, I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, that was their first like guerrilla attack. That was yeah. sort of like the signal yeah. that they have become proficient at murdering Russians. Yep, right. And I wasn't expecting it. Uh, okay, now I, <laughs> I get, get it. it. Oh, okay. That that was the point they went from like Wolverines do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that that was the point where they went from like hiding in the woods to on the the attack. And they announce themselves as the Wolverines and then just start shooting all the troops. And the girls have AK-47s. Swayze has a sniper rifle. Everybody has grenades. And I did laugh out loud just watching uh, Jennifer Grey just tucked in a corner fire in an AK-47. <laughs> that, that, they that used Jennifer Grey. They used Jennifer Grey as like a bait item like five times in this fucking movie. Like it's like right. three, four, five times that she's... Delivering a basket full of goods to someone, or running into a store, or like running away from yeah. people, just constantly being like sexually assaulted. It's like every single right. Russian is like incredibly lecherous. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh my god, yes, these Ruski bastards are quite handsy. <laughs> and apparently, Jennifer Grey is the effective lure. I mean, who who would have known? You know, everybody is just mowing all these people down but how did all these kids learn how to shoot so quickly because like the prior scene Jennifer Grey like almost kills herself by firing the gun off that like and on that mountain they wouldn't be able to like make any kind of like practice on any of these just because like the gunshots would just give them away 
They got that bl- deer blood in them. They got the spirit of the Blackfoot. You know what I mean? So they're, now they're channeling their inner murderers. That makes sense. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Sense. Thank you. They go from they go from hiding in the woods to just being a well-oiled killing fucking machine. So now all the troops are talking about the Wolverines. What is a Wolverine? It's a ferocious small animal and their town mascot. <laughs> thank you, thank you, weird Russian guy. Really appreciate yeah, that exposition choose. there. Yeah, or that's Cuban. what they choose to give exposition to. What a Wolverine is, as opposed to these fucking characters they're supposed to care about. Who are all these people that are killing us? <laughs> yeah, they're small animals. On them. I feel like like part of this movie is just an allegory for the Soviet war in Afghanistan. But then, like watching it like retrospectively with the Americans being the underdogs and being compared to Afghan yeah. guerrillas was kind of weird. It's true. Talking well, politics. I mean, we all know the story. Uh, I'm going to stop oh. there before I offend <laughs> everybody in the world. Let's go ahead and edit that part out. <laughs> the comments of the podcast. We don't want Tim to lose his job. <laughs> all right, so uh, the next scene is November, and Leah Thompson's on patrol and meets this air pilot. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mrs. McFly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a studious. There's like someone just like you ever play that game with like Little Man or something like that drinking game, and someone's like, oh, "I'm sorry, you didn't, you didn't recite the, you didn't recite the last word backwards." Like fucking drink. Okay. Oh shit! Tim is basically the troll under the bridge. Like that's Tim's role in this podcast. He's the troll under the bridge. You got to give the password to get fucking through. It was funny because the first like two seconds, I was like, again, oh, this boy's whole. <laughs> I oh, thought for a second shit. that we had like missed something and Tim was like I can't believe you guys missed this scene and then he didn't say anything and I was like oh I know now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> oh what a time to be alive <laughs> alright so Lorraine oh. McFly meets uh, Andy Tanner and uh, he fills them in on just the war outside of this town so you find out that uh, these illegals came up from Mexico and knocked out a bunch of the major cities, including D.C., and only England is now on their side. And then you also find out that people in Denver are eating each other. And uh, now you have some background. Go Broncos. Yep. What's going on? And this is when I'm just going to get out of my fucking soapbox and start shitting on this movie. Because once you find out what's happening, it, I just started getting kind of pissed off. So first... If we were ever invaded by, like, at the Mexican border and they were crawling up north to D.C., the people on the hill would just no doubt nuke the entire south just to save the capital. Like, that is a fact. Max. And then they would also, also most likely bomb and nuke all of Russia and Central America. Max, here's, here's where you're wrong. All we got to do is just build that wall. Okay. I'm going on. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I hated that. There was like, oh, they, got the, they snuck him up as illegals. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. This this whole bent will never, ever go away. And no. also, I'm sorry, you mentioned it was funny, Max. You were like, oh, like they talked about D.C. as like a big city. But they also mentioned two other cities, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. and yeah. Kansas City. They're yeah. like, you know, huge, gigantic metropoli. And I was like, oh, you know, but small town, small town living the, gang. The, then again, this is guy is from Texas, and he doesn't know the capital of his own fucking state, so... <laughs> it's middle he America, and uh, he and Ms. McFly are just baffled by basic geography. <laughs> All right. Well, the second this is thing in that 80s movie where there's a high school girl sexually attracted to someone that is 20 years her senior. I'm going to go yeah, into me- that more in a little bit too. 
Because there's some stuff on that. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm still on my goddamn soapbox. Stop pu- trying to push me down. <laughs> All right. So the second thing that really made me mad is that this is the Reagan era, like, wet dream of, like, an all-red card voting America's, Derek. <laughs> just to say that, you know, America is so great, and this is just an amazing America, American movie about Americans just being badass, but in reality... Malayus, who was a chairman of the NRA, is saying that our country is just so inept and underprepared for an invasion that our troops just must be falling just on their untied shoelaces while accidentally shooting themselves in the head. And only, like, gun-carrying locals can save everybody. Max, I, I think you're not very done. wrong in thinking that this is a political commentary. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I, not done. This, I is think this, was, this is my podcast. <laughs> I think this was the mighty ducks of Russian invasion movies. You know, it's... uh. It's something unrealistic. They would never invade us like this. So this is more of a, you know, to your point earlier, it, it, it's, it's an alternate universe. I'm falling off it's the soapbox. It's an alternate universe. Oh, dude, if this happened in Boston right now, I'd be walking out of there saying, yeah, comrades, would anyone like some horse? <laughs> I love Walker. Yeah. I'm lily white skin you. like you. Hawker, yeah. number one sport now, hockey. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the Irish? <laughs> all right so also though this movie was made in 1984 so this is like right after reagan won his re-election in a landslide so why is he just projecting our military as being so weak reagan was not the producer <laughs> on this movie yeah but all right and then just most importantly I mean, just, though yeah go ahead go, go ahead all right so just let's say like the most important thing about this is that the soviet army was able to wipe out most of our military and it's taken over large sections of this country but they can't take care of fucking six teenage boys and two teenage girls no. just get the fuck out of here hey guys guys can i can i interject for a second <laughs> i'm off the soapbox guys guys uh the red sox just punched their ticket the first major league baseball team to clinch a postseason berth this this season so clap it up gang go Sox. yay for yay. a team that's gonna get bounced because they have no bullpen <laughs> yay <laughs> By the way, you thought if I was heated, just look at Tim's text messages whenever Kimbrel just blows a save. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yes, I was not. I was. I was not happy the other night. Speaking of throat slitting in their sleep, it was just all over the place in those text messages. <laughs> oh yeah, but see, I, I think the funny I thing is, is that murdered Dave Dombrowski eight times <laughs> yeah. at least. I'm just looking. That's three the... straight text messages that Tim began in nothing but caps about Dave Dombrowski. <laughs> <laughs> That's always I know. I just need to, like... Fuck Dave Dabrowski! <laughs> exactly. I'm going to murder Dave Dabrowski if this team gets bounced because we don't have a bullpen. <laughs> That's out in the ether now, Dave, so you know I'm coming for you, bud. <laughs> yeah, but if we're there was Buddy, because they're friends, so it's not a real threat. Don't worry, Dave, until it is. Okay. I do I do know that you go to the lawyers who are in my office building, Dave, so <laughs> I know a little about you. Let's watch out for that next lunch. <laughs> this is not gonna be in the podcast, so why are you doing this? <laughs> I only I only have an hour and seven minutes left on my disc space apparently, according Jesus to Audacity Christ. as well. So can we all like <laughs> We all got to be a little more judicious with what we like to talk about. Rebels recording like a fucking, oh, what's the guy's name? The the MLB documentary. What's his fucking name? Ken Burns. Oh, Ken Burns. 
Yeah, he's probably recording a Tim uh, Ken Burns documentary on his fucking audio. Right I know, now. man. I, you know, I'm just telling you guys. You know, I only got nine innings, okay, and I'm in, I'm in <laughs> inning seven right now, okay. <laughs> Baseball. Okay, let's just continue so Probable can actually still record. Unlike last time, we had to turn his just his recording <laughs> off. Yeah, in all, in all seriousness, though, I don't understand how that like I, I, I moved, don't either. but then like, but then like, but after I moved, it was like but fine Preble for a bit. Continues and then to talk. No, listen, man, it's my. I, can I reclaim my time? Can I reclaim my time? <laughs> no, <laughs> you lost your turn. I know, I lost my turn. All right, all right. So back to this movie. Uh, more Soviets <laughs> are just falling over like stormtroopers in Star Wars, and now all the kids just have fucking RPGs as well. They've collected them from dead bodies. Yeah. Um, and then also Robert is becoming a little bit of a psycho and he's starting to tally every single person that he's killed on his rifle. Yes, he did. Did anybody get that quote that he said? Like the line? That super cheesy line? Oh. Kept him warm? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Ugh. I saw that. I, th- that, was over, that was about the time that I turned it off on Sunday. Uh, I'm like, hmm, I'm done. Well, I'll watch the rest of this say? tomorrow. They, they got uh, uh, the, the pilot said you know your rage will burn you up and he goes it keeps me warm it keeps me warm that, and, I, and i'm gonna be I honest agree, i can agree with that keeps yeah me my, warm too. dave Dabrowski keeps me warm <laughs> i feel like that's how tim slept after he watched footloose was like his rage burned him up but it kept him really nice and toasty <laughs> grinding yeah, his teeth was... and wondering why he has a headache in the morning yep oh dear <laughs> This movie's great. This, uh, uh, you guys are trying to poke holes where they don't exist. We're not. We're talking about everything but this movie, so we need to continue. <laughs> so next to Wolverine's ambush, the education camp, and uh, some more American ass kicking ensues. Uh, but did anybody look at the pilot? Like when uh, what's his face just throws a grenade into the uh, into the airplane. <laughs> he just sits there and he, he accepts it. He looked yeah. like Putin too. <laughs> it, is, it is Vladimir. This it looks is, just this like is him. one of his starring roles. Also, I just don't understand clones. how, like, they, they scramble their jet fighters, the Russians do. I'm like, how is that going to help against, like, five kids with gun? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not, you know, what are you going to do, carpet bomb your own base? Like, I have no understanding of, like, what the value of flying those planes is. Are, also, are the jets, like, in the concentration camp? <laughs> because that's what they attack. So, they just have, like, running jets that are just in like in this like re-education camp as well it's just their base it's the omni base i guess it just has everything in it <laughs> there's i mean they are communists so it's equal across the board it is true max mm-hmm. all right so then he after this he just gets some real gross flirting between uh Ugh. mrs mcfly and tanner <laughs> because every 80s movie that came out of nowhere every 80s movie needs you need to watch a teenager and a fifty-year-old man just like possibly getting it on. She, her Nothing character like was like rape to make up an eighty uh, an eighties movie. She's in high school. Again. Her character from the outset was like totally bipolar, like just totally unstable. It was it was kind of like, I mean, beyond the fact that she was like disgustingly hitting on this like fifty-year-old married guy, and she seemed to be attracted to him because he was married. Well, yeah, but, yeah. She asks kind. like when they when he met his wife, and all that shit. Like that was real weird. And he's not really talking highly about his wife either, which made it even worse. It's like well, what am I she's watching? Probably because she's probably like buried in four different places. <laughs> all right, I didn't. I didn't like it. 
but uh, it was profoundly uncomfortable the entire thing. I was like, yeah. I, I, why is this always a thing? And he's not like he's a particular handsome fellow. No offense, guy, but strongly disagree. Nah, I don't know about that. Very handsome. I don't know. Overweight and losing your hair is usually not the thing that's going to get off Mrs. Marty McFly. It's usually incestuous. That's what she's <laughs> right. <laughs> so or keeping tongs. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. All right. So after this, the Wolverines are looking all fashionable because they're all wearing matching white snowsuits, <laughs> and uh, some more war stuffs going on with this tank battle. And some kid that we barely knew gets killed, and then Tanner also gets killed. And then he gets blown up by an American tank afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, afterwards, uh, what's her name? Uh, Mrs. McFly? No, no, no. The Lorraine? other girl. The other girl. <laughs> uh, she, baby. She, baby. Baby, yeah. Baby. <laughs> they, they say, where are we going to bury him? And she goes, there's not much left to bury <laughs> when, her, when this guy's lover is an earshot. Yeah. And she just breaks the fuck down. So, all right, so a little oh, bit about this. Terrible. So, Leah Thompson, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mrs. McFly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. Thank you. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> so, she's really upset about Tanner being killed, which seemed kind of weird since they only interacted like a few times in this movie. But uh, Mrs. McFly afterwards uh, explained that in the original cut of the movie there was a love scene between her and Powers Booth who again Ugh. this guy's stupid fucking name in real life is Powers Booth uh, but That's audiences him. didn't like it yeah good to which I say no shit <laughs> why, good. Would they, why would any audience like that I don't like the statutory rape scene that much why not <laughs> I mean Tim, good. Tim Tim yeah take a step back and think to yourself, did you really enjoy it, or did you just act like you did enjoy it? Don't answer that, Tim. Yeah, don't answer Tim. Tim. Coming Tim, to February, there's a sweet Tim, 1980s military me. procession going on, and this new <laughs> colonel... <laughs> I'm going to fucking steam plow through this. This new colonel, uh, who brought in reinforcements and literally has just a bunch of posters of Wolverines uh, in his presentation, uh, starts just going on and on. So, um... This is great. So, side story about this actor. So, uh, his his real name is William Smith. And <laughs> that, that's the Not first Sergei? good thing. Yeah, so that's his real name. I, I'm going to send you guys a picture of what he looked like in, like in the 50s. So, this guy might be like the most interesting man alive because he's a two-time world arm wrestling champion. He had 18 and a half inch biceps. He had a 31 and 1 record as an amateur boxer. Yeah, he had the he held the world record for doing 5100 sit-ups in a row. And then he was so he was fluent in Russian, German, French, and Serbo-Croatian, which got him attention of the NSA, and he ended up flying secret missions over Russia in the 1950s. He conducted interrogations to Russian spies and defectors. Uh, he also had a CIA and NSA clearance and planned on working for both of them, but then he got a contract with MGM and then married a French model, so they had to pull the clearance. Preble, I thought I thought you were born in like the early nineties. Well, gang, with the use of CIA, you know, MI six and KGB technologies that I've been stealing for the past several years, I have the appearance of a young, slightly overweight twenty nine year old man. The best <laughs> fucking cooler in the game. In the beers. All the way between Memphis, Tennessee, and Jasper, Missouri. <laughs> which, which I, I listened to the podcast recently. 
Do you realize Memphis and Missouri are not that far apart? <laughs> yeah. <it's> no. <laughs> They're like three hours apart. Yeah. Like, some would say it's, a, it's an <laughs> afternoon drive. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I was going to say, when this scene, when they're all these die, like, you know, again, like, so they become this elite unit. But, like, how do they not realize that this tank is sneaking up behind them? Like, it's a tank. And they're like, oh, Jesus, here's this tank that's coming up right behind us. Like, how do they not hear this thing coming? <laughs> and and once again they're out in they're out with no clear objective as to what they're doing they're just like running around just in the murdering. middle of this yeah oh, well God. like high schoolers right they're fucking surviving <laughs> if i hear that word one more time out of your mouth Derek, i'm gonna lose my mind <laughs> they're surviving don't you understand it's like then fucking run away I'm gonna tell you right now patrick swayze he might not have been acting this might be have been might have been real life because there was a point where he was crying over one of his dead friends, and he blows a snot bubble that is equal to an entire marble. Like, uh, it, was a, it was a large snot bubble. I don't know if you guys caught that. I'm glad that we're movie. talking about things later on that we're going to talk about again. So let's just get <laughs> right. back to the actual Again, I don't know how... how the story how structure of this movie, which is in order. <laughs> because Preble now has 35 minutes left on his recording until his fucking <laughs> microphone blows uh, up again. 57, man. Fifty-seven. Okay, yeah. Go on about Swayze's oh, nostrils, plenty Derek, of time. please. Continue. <laughs> plenty of time. All right, going back to this movie, that's just not as exciting as, as this dude's life or Swayze's nostrils. Strongly so, disagree. He tells the team that killing all these civilians is probably not a good idea because it just makes things worse, which is pretty valid. And then he also says in order to kill a wild animal, you need to think like a hunter. Think like a fox is what he says. He also says hunter at some point, too. You know what would be even more funny is if this guy actually came all the way from Russia thinking that he actually had to just kill, like, <laughs> wolverines. Like, so he's prepared this whole presentation about, like, how to kill them. And it's like, oh. They're like a bunch of rat traps. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I brought all these cages over from Siberia. Everything's working out really well. It's like, it's like hold They on. love watermelon. <laughs> exactly. And then someone has to come over and tell him, like, actually, they're 16, 17, or 18-year-old children. He's like, oh, my God. All these cages for nothing. <laughs> Wait, you mean my, my, my chair and bullwhip for taming lion is all for naught? <laughs> well, I mean, to give, to give him some credit, I mean, a little bit later on, he does kind of like fish them out by just giving them like small pieces of fruit. So he's not that far off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little bit later, though, all these new troops are walking around the woods and surprise, surprise, they just get mowed down by the wolverines once again. Wolverines! And they leave one man left alive to interrogate him, but then they find out that this dipshit, Daryl, is a traitor, and he's had a tracker inside of him. Maybe swallow it. How did they get to this kid? Was it like the like in the five minutes that they're in that town and some, some like Soviet soldiers like walked by and just like jammed a tracker down Max, his throat? Max, you're not going to find holes in this movie. He said that he walked back in by himself. How? I mean, how do they walk in by themselves the first time, Max? Explanations aren't important. You have the a scout. details are what important. Or what no, are if important. they're these badass fucking soldiers or whatever, you have a scout that's awake at all times, hence Mrs. McFly f- finding Tanner, her 50-year-old lover at one point, is because she's being the scout. She's checking out the area when everyone else is asleep. Maybe that's, maybe in that scene of passionate lovemaking. Mm. He, he goes to throw away. up and then just falls down the mountain. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> he, he goes to tell someone 
someone in the town that this is not okay. There is there is an, an extremely old man having carnal relations with a too young lady, and he is coerced by the Russians. Makes this more plausible. I'd rather commit treason. I'd rather commit treason than go back up that mountain and see what I just saw. Right. <laughs> All right. So the team makes a tough decision to execute both Daryl and the Soviet prisoner. And uh, at first, Charlie Sheen just delivers pretty much the same, you know, monologue that he would do in Platoon, like two years later, about you know if you kill this guy, we're just as bad as them. And then Swayze kills a Soviet soldier pretty easily, but he can't kill Daryl. But Robert has no problem doing it, and he just does it immediately because he's a fucking psycho. That deer blood changed him. That's what it is. And for like living out in the woods for like four months, dad's dead, mom's dead. It's the blood. It's the deer blood. Deer blood. You're missing <laughs> one very serious point. Uh, he is a yeah. fucking wolverine. Okay. There we go. That's I a wolverine and there's no holes in this movie. Right, guys? You there's none. There are a few holes in the movie. I mean, I wish someone would prove me wrong, but you have yet to do this. All right, and then you get that uncomfortable scene of Swayze just blowing a bunch of snot bubbles all over the place, and then drooling his snot bubbles, just, <laughs> just after like all his eyes out, literally yeah, like exactly. twenty minutes after he sold everyone else, never fucking cry again. He's just bawling. Um, then he cut to several months later because all the snow's gone, and they're about to shoot this cargo truck when a bunch of food falls out, and Jennifer Grace goes down to check it out and just starts munching away. Um, so after that, they're all just sitting on these rocks eating fruit, like the first scene in 2001 Space Odyssey, because, you know, they're just hungry and being teenage soldiers is, is tough work. <laughs> and then you hear... Not everyone can be a Wolverine. Yeah. But then you hear a chopper. But where is it? Oh, shit. There it is. And they shoot Jennifer Grey. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, her fucking vest erupts. But, like, in that scene, you know, there's supposed to be these, like hardened guerrilla warriors and when they see a helicopter their first instinct is to literally go to the most open place there there is around them to like just stare at it it's like <laughs> what the fuck is going on here and then you get a sweet chopper and horse chase after that too it's like cowboys and indians a- it's like cowboys and choppers <laughs> yeah well it's also i i just can't I, and maybe this is in poor taste but i just literally put in all caps nobody puts baby in a coffin <laughs> Because <laughs> that's basically what I got from this film. Preble, awesome. that was awesome. I had, I had awesome. a line like that right after this. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Except for Ron O'Neill. <laughs> then also, Robert gets shot off the horse, and then he fires an RPG directly through the chopper. But it like, oh, didn't. Yeah, like, what happened? I've never seen something like that. The, the, it exploded in the chopper. And only the guy that was shooting at him got affected. Not not the pilot, not anyone else. Just and the guy that the was guy, shooting like, the turret. And then the truck was like, fine, and then they just mow him down, and he dies. Yeah, it made flawless. no sense. But again, it's a flawless this victory. movie is fucking rock solid. So then after that, Jennifer Grey is dying, and she asks Swayze to shoot her in the head, which is kind of weird uh, to see after watching uh, Dirty Dancing. But he can't shoot her, and he leaves her a grenade instead because Johnny Castle is a gentleman. The longest grenade in recorded history lasts for... Hands her, he hands her a watermelon. Yeah, <laughs> so she can carry it. 
She also you know, likes the warmth too. Yeah, I was gonna say this is probably the mo- one of the more tender moments. They probably should have inserted this into Dirty Dancing. Is like Patrick Swayze <laughs> is like very concerned. She's like, pull the pin for me. He does, and then three hours later, when they find her body, then the explosion occurs. So I also wonder if anyone's ever cut that scene into Dirty Dancing when Jennifer Grey asks Swayze if she'll ever see him again, and then they just cut to that scene of her being like, shoot me. I feel like, Max, I feel like that should have been the end of the first sex scene they had. (laughs) Swayze just leaves him, just gives her a grenade and leaves. (laughs) And then Detective Lenny Briscoe finds her. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's just, it fades to black, and then Finn... No, then you just get the boom boom. Do, do, do. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. That's what we need to do. Oh, God. Just, yeah, just cut Dirty funny. Dancing into Red Dawn oh. into just an episode of Law & Order. <laughs> it's the best movie ever made. I would watch that. We would definitely be doing an episode on that one. That fat bass line says it all. Dirty Dawn and Order. Oh, just a filthy law and order. Max, enjoy editing this podcast. Yes, this ain't coming out for like several weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Where are we in this movie? Okay. All right. Jennifer Gray's dead. Yeah, so yeah, she's. Yeah, the soldier goes to pick her up by the hair, which is not a good move, and then he just fucking blows up. (laughs) (laughs) That must have hurt. I was just thinking, like, the guy, like, literally, like, moved her entire body with her hair. Um, But then everyone's... Well, go ahead. But real quick, like, the funny thing about that is that, like, they, you know, the the scene with the the Russian colonel and the... And the most interesting man in the world where, like, the most interesting <laughs> man in the world's like, questioning the kill total of uh, of the Russian, like, colonel or whatever. And then he kind of, like, walks over and then all of a sudden, like, hears the explosion. And it's almost, like, comedic. Like, he almost, <laughs> there almost should be, like, some, like, Seinfeld music that plays in the background. And he just, like, <laughs> snaps the, his forehead and goes, adios mios. <laughs> Newman! Yeah, exactly. This guy's like a real poet. He's like waxing poetic. He's like, I don't know what, like, what's the value of the struggle? It's like, oh my god. But that actually would be a great way to end a Seinfeld episode. And then it explodes, and then they'll look at each other, and then they just freeze frame. And then just. Alright, so everyone's sad because the Wolverines, or a bunch of them, have been killed. And Charlie Sheen and Patrick Swayze. Jesus Christ. What the fuck was that? It was my phone exploding as I opened it. You have five minutes left to record. Hold on, I can play that. No, don't. No, we're moving on. All right. Okay, let's go. Go ahead, Max. Okay. So everyone is sad. You know, this one I know I need to be flawless because, like, my phone makes noise for like half a second, and now Paco's off. He's off on a tangent about music and America. 
This is one of those podcasts that we're probably going to record for like two hours, but it's going to be an hour and ten minutes because Max is going to have to edit out so much. Yeah, it is. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. But, you know, this isn't a fucking job that I make money in. Eventually, Max, eventually, we'll reward you generously with our bodies. So we could just stop all of this exposition now and Max could continue. (laughs) Tim is fed up. Tim's been very quiet. Tim hasn't said anything for 30 minutes. I can see the whites in Tim's knuckles. (laughs) Hey, Tim, you having a good time? Yes, Derek, I'm having a great time. <laughs> so sad, I'm trying to have a fucking great time. I'm having a great time. Everyone's sad because the Wolverines have been killed, or most of them have been killed. God, I've said this like four times now, and I still can't get it right. Anyway, uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, Swayze plan on doing a suicide attack, and they um, just to allow the remaining two, which include Mrs. McFly, uh, to escape. And Swayze writes both their names on this memorial rock. And then you get this letter from this fucking General Franco, O'Neill dude, whatever, just saying that it's so cold here and I miss my wife, boo-hoo, killing all these innocent suburban people isn't worth it anymore. And then explosions. That was like a World War II note that he was writing. Why? Like that that the, note hasn't been written in the 20th century. No, but why does this Cuban commander who's been like totally open to committing genocide earlier in the movie... Is like now the sympathetic enemy towards the end when like the Soviet commander, who was William Smith, tells them you need to stop killing innocent people and Max. only target the people who are trying to kill us. Max, because there's we- one simple explanation. <laughs> it's because they needed to end this movie. It's it was they- in the script. Oh, okay. It was in the script. Okay. Go because on, they Tim. needed to end the movie, and they were like, oh shit, we've just been like rambling on for about an hour and 45 minutes, and we have no way to end this movie. <laughs> so they, ne- they needed to like start wrapping it up. Also, it's snowing again, by the way. <laughs> that was Very short seasons in Colorado. It was December. shots where it was like there was not a field, and the field was like golden wheat. Like it's like September, and then it's like, oh, now there's snow again. It was like, I consistency, please. You guys have clearly never been to Colorado. If only. Anyway, uh, these two high schoolers are just killing all these professional soldiers who've been able to defeat the U.S. government for a while. And uh, the Soviets are just freaking out. And uh, also the Soviet dude who looks like Rasputin gets blown up by an RPG. And then uh, Charlie Sheen and Swayze jump on this train. They hide behind some bigger guns. And uh, Will Smith the you know shoots Sheen. And uh, the commander's looking around, and then Swayze sneaks up and says, you lose. But then he gets shot, and then right. well, he does kill the colonel. Definitively a tie. <laughs> so, they're already, they've already been shooting people, so why doesn't Swayze, like, why is Swayze cocking his gun again, first? And then why does he talk to this dude before firing? Like, if he had just shot the dude, like, he wouldn't have, he would have lived, and probably could have saved his brother, too. Because it's an 80s movie. They I have, said it was they in the script that everything. way. <laughs> You're missing the point saying. of the podcast. There are no holes in this movie. <laughs> God damn it. This is the perfect <laughs> American... I mean, if you live in this country, you've got to love this movie. Apparently you weren't uh, listening to me on my soapbox <laughs> earlier. Anyway, so uh, this Cuban commander, Ron O'Neill, has a clear shot. And then he just kind of goes... Nah, you guys can go. Qualms about this whole operation. Again, though, like this dude 
is the one who's responsible for killing all their parents, but then he's just like, you know what, it's fine. You can go. I he realizes more. he realizes he has more camaraderie with the uh, the revolutionaries that he's uh, they once was. Thank you, know, you. thank you, Tim. Then with the the oppressive Soviets who are fighting to suppress the Soviets. revolution. Mm. So this guy's probably a degenerate gambler too, then. <laughs> and in and in real life, the the actor is Irish, so we all know he's a degenerate <laughs> drunk and gambler. So. <laughs> this is true. Alright, so uh, Sheen and Swayze aren't doing too well because they've both been shot and they're exhausted, which is understandable. And it's been a rough <laughs> few months for these teenage boys, and they then presumably just die on this park bench. Wolverines! And then you cut to the last two remaining, and it's summer for a little bit, and all the trees are green, and then they walk down the mountain, and there's snow. And uh, then uh, after that, they're just, you know, walking down, and the movie ends, and they get this rock dedicated to them. The end credits was the most insane part of this movie. They, they <laughs> paraphrased from Lincoln's Gettysburg speech, by the way. Yes, they did. What did they say? What was that? And the nation will not perish from this earth, that whole thing at the end. Yeah. He just oh. kind of like copy and pasted and like cut a few things in here and there. Like, boys, children. But the, the end of the movie, I mean, like, wasn't the whole point that, yeah, uh, Mrs. McFly and the other kid got to leave was because, like, someone, some people need to survive and, like, get to the free America? Yeah. They don't even get to the free America. They get back to the rock. <laughs> well, but, but but when you see the rock, it insinuates at the end that that they they saved the country. Yeah, they say that they won. Eventually. Yeah, which you're kind of missing a better movie there of World War Three ending with the U.S. winning. But they won World War Three, so this is like way in the future. It's like the it's like the Teddy Roosevelt rock all over again from the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Oh my god. This is this is this is. No flaws. The prequel to World War Z with Brad Pitt, where they're fighting zombies. Battles have to take place consistently, you know? Mm. Go on. Well, uh, I mean, I'm Max. kidding. Okay, let's get into trivia. Never have Spocky to expound on a topic. We'll never, ever leave or do anything. There's so much lives. of my conversation this podcast is going to be edited out. This is going to be the least heard of Derek in, this, in any of these podcasts. I can't wait to just see Max's cut, and it's just going to be like cutting Derek off like halfway through a sentence. Like, and I'll fall. And it's like cut, I cut feel like Max. Ten. I think the only the only part of this like podcast that will be left in is Paco's abortion talk. It's the only part that Max will deem acceptable. I was pretty surprised we didn't see any coat hangers in this movie. Let's get into a little bit of trivia here. So, <laughs> so Patrick Swayze got frostbite during filming. He said it still feels like someone's shoving toothpicks into his fingernails whenever it gets too cold. Gross. So this is like I don't know if he can ever do a movie without having a permanent injury. It seems like everything he does, whether it's like dancing or roadhousing or anything, he is getting knees drained or fingers fucked up. It's something every single time. Um, Swayze also stayed in character throughout the entire film, and then uh, the director told him he's like, "You're in charge of this cat of this crew," and he kind of like let him like run the whole production. Which is uh, probably why Jennifer Grey didn't really like working with him the first time. Yeah. That was literally what I was just thinking is that's probably why Jennifer Grey fucking hated him for Dirty Dancing. Yeah. That's a very legitimate reason. 
can, can I say, I don't know if y'all noticed this, but like during just about every scene where someone was speaking a foreign language, it felt like it was all ADR'd. I don't this know if the movie was ADR'd. Like, like, their uh, lips I mean, don't match up at all. No, I mean, like, but but especially during, the, like, the, the Cuban and Russian conversations, it wasn't even fucking close. <laughs> like, I originally had this movie on, um, on uh, subtitles, and then I had to turn it off because they were always, like, two lines behind because the subtitles couldn't, like, couldn't figure out what they were saying either because the audio was so off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not surprised. No. All right, so as far as the director, John Malayas goes, um, I did, you know, kind of shit on him a lot, but there is a really good documentary on Amazon Prime about him, and uh, the documentary goes over a lot of the movies that he either wrote or, like, came in to fix, like, which include Dirty Harry, so he cleaned up a lot of dialogue, and he wrote the Go Ahead, Make, make My Day quote. Um, he also did the Quint USS Indianapolis monologue in Jaws. Like, Spielberg had said something like, hey, I just want you to kind of write out, like, a little, like, outline. And then he's like, here you go. And it was, like, 18 pages. <laughs> he also wrote Apocalypse Now. Uh, he did the two Cone and the Barbarian movies. And then Clear and Present Danger as well. Um, but he was a total fucking nut job in real life. And he would, like, do crazy shit. Like, just bring a loaded gun to an executive meeting. You know, that's pretty much probably why his career didn't really pan out the way he should have. Um... Because he was, like, in the same group as, like, the same director group as, like, George Lucas and Spielberg and Scorsese and Brian De Palma. And he was, like, the first one to break out and actually get hired to start doing movies. And they all said that he was, like, the most talented, but he's just had a screw loose. So, um, he also did carry a loaded gun with him around set for this entire movie. So, so Max, you're, I mean, you're a recruiter. You're telling me that I I shouldn't have done that in my last <laughs> job interview? <laughs> I guess he had some interview with like a liberal uh, newspaper, and he said that he walked out of the meeting. He just put his gun on the guy's recorder and just walked out. <laughs> well, he just gave him the gun. I mean, I don't see how that's a threat. I now have the gun. Um, also, though, like on the same subject, so the Cohen brothers said that they based John Goodman's character in the Big Lebowski off of this director. <laughs> <laughs> that says everything tells me everything i need to know but also if you looked at that uh that picture i sent you guys that text of like him on the nra page like i mean he looks like john goodman in that movie too he does actually he's holding ar-15 with a cigar <laughs> on his webpage. i mean red-blooded americans what well, it looks like to me that was hilarious um so also which was cool so all the effects in this movie were practical so they didn't have any cgi they didn't have any mentor mm-hmm. sets like nothing. So like all the explosions were, were real. <laughs> so what what role did Michael Bay play in this film? Explosionologist. Inspiration. He did the uh, he did the Colonel uh, Mrs. McFly sex scene, and that was probably kind of. <laughs> he was just looking at nothing but explosions during that scene too. That's why I was so passionate. Right. There's just explosions and helicopters flying behind them as they banged. <laughs> With Axl Rose doing a guitar solo in the background. So speaking of Powers Booth, too. So uh, he later on claimed that uh, uh, Malayas cut out all the emotional life. This is his quote. Cut out all the emotional life of his characters. Originally, my character was anti-war as well as righteous. I was supposed to be the voice of reason in that movie. But certain cuts neglected my character. And then Charlie Sheen uh, didn't really like how the movie came out either. And then this is a quote from Charlie Sheen. The movie is such a comic book. It's such a great concept on paper, but I think if Malayas had paid more attention to his actors, 
rather than his tank, we might have had something. I thought it was detrimental to the final outcome of the film. If Charlie Sheen's making salient points about your uh, your directing, then I think you're in a bad spot. <laughs> you're in a bit of a bind here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, But on the bright side, though, the uh, Iraqi invasion in 2003 was named Operation Red Dawn. Go America. <laughs> Boom. Uh, all right. So I guess Which it's makes going... no sense because we were the ones invading them. <laughs> oh, the irony. It's okay, though. All right. Uh, what's your? Who was your favorite? Who was your least favorite character in this movie? I mean, my favorite. Possible to say. My favorite was clearly Patty Swayze. I mean, how old, could it not old be? Old crying Patty Swayze. I mean, Patty Swayze just owned this fucking movie. I I, I thought I loved Patty Swayze in in Dirty Dancing. I thought I loved him in Roadhouse, and then I watched this movie again for like the seventeenth time. That's unfortunate. And this movie's a one and done for me. Oh, well, that's... Go ahead and move to Siberia, Max. Um, least favorite character was Danny, of course. I mean, Danny was a pussy from day one. He was the one that convinced the, the student body president that he didn't want to do that. Yeah, Danny was an asshole. Um, I would say that my favorite character is La- Lorraine McFly for obvious reasons. <laughs> Because she, because she was somebody I could imagine her being a better character in a better movie, and uh, and looking better too, right? And looking better. Um, she didn't look too great in this. No, she her needed to clean her, Yeah, she needed to clean herself up. I mean, power. That's probably why Powers Booth insisted on that sex scene being cut out. Um, <laughs> I ain't having sex with this underage women unless she looks a little bit better. Right. <laughs> unless she looks good. Um. And then probably my least favorite character, um, uh, I would have to say the the deer that got shot. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, why would you why would you lend any credence to these delusional mind like fucking pieces of shit who are just gonna become gr- I, I I just didn't like that deer. I thought he set a bad precedent by letting him kill him. Um. Oh no, uh, probably no one. No, it's not true. Actually, <laughs> no. I um, I like the uh, that the the insane general that couldn't understand if he was actually if he had to actually like fight wolverines or children. I just thought I appreciated his whole <laughs> strategy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like how he becomes like the ultimate bad guy at the end. Um, someone I didn't like, like basically all all the all the wolverines with the exception of Marty McFly's mother. Uh, baby, um, the Eckhart brothers, and that's basically it. All so pretty much ones. everybody that's well known. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just like the well known people. All the other people that were pure trash. I was like, yeah, I, I don't need you. Bunch of normies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. By the way, so just just think of like the Swayze crying thing. I think I now know where like Robert Downey Jr. got his crying scene from Tropic Thunder from. <laughs> Spitting and all that's that. That's actually a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of that like one day when I was just yeah. Um, so as far as my favorite character, I'm also going to say Will, uh, Will Smith, William Smith. But not just really for his character, but just because without this movie, I never would have read all that dude's like actual history about his real life. I thought that was just awesome. Um, least favorite, I'm going to say C. Th- C. Thomas Howell's fake tough guy, Psycho Robert. He, he just he did nothing for me. I thought his delivery sucked. I thought he was just not fun. I didn't like him. Oh. 
Okay. Oh, I'm going to do a cr- uh, quick little crossover here. So what would happen if these Soviets invaded Jasper, Missouri, and then the Double Deuce was the first place they went to attack? <laughs> well, Swayze would, would cool them out, bro. That's, <laughs> may, may I speak from personal experience? Um, <laughs> I was about to say, can we, can we get some preble inside here? They would never have, there would never have been a Soviet invasion because they all would have, one, looked at America, recognized the fact that like all these degenerates, like we it's can't hang it. with this. No way. And then I would have come in there and just give them a nice roundhouse kick to the face. Well, also, well, I mean, more to the point, they would have known that the best damn cooler in the biz was there, and they would just <laughs> wouldn't have messed with. They wouldn't exactly. have. They would have known not to Let go them there. Be. You know? <laughs> Ooh, well, and also, Dalton's there. If we can't Dalton is here. Oh my goodness! You, <laughs> all the way from Memphis, from Missouri, and Soviet Russia. <laughs> Three well, places he's known. I mean, if if they would have invaded, you know, the, the double deuce, they would have had to do so with with uh, Swiss Army knives. <laughs> I mean, so so Preble could have handled that quick, fast, in a hurry. Oh yeah, man. So I was born for. Just a pile, just a pile of ripped out throats over in the corner, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ripped out throats and, and eyeballs. Yeah, just <laughs> make hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> After watching these Soviets in hand-to-hand combat, I think they wouldn't have left the bar alive. Like yeah. Jeff Healy would have just oh. been laying down the blues while Dull and Sam Elliott were just like giving each other high fives and just breaking necks. Beer bottles thrown everywhere. It'd either like. be that or it would be a Budweiser commercial in which they came in to invade and then they're like blues music? What? Vodka? Budweiser? <laughs> There's a party! And they're like ah! And then that would just be it. Probably. Oh god. If Mark Wahlberg was in this what would he be confused about? Why he wasn't the leading role? <laughs> why why is america losing where do all these russian guys come from yeah why why like i mean i, I feel like that's it is the, the easiest answer to that is why is america losing yeah, i just, think he would have been confused about history too he like yeah. would have been like wait these guys are the redcoats <laughs> <laughs> i thought we already fought the revolutionary <laughs> war <laughs> russia and no, cuba are both communist no, countries dude right can, can i have a rocket launcher <laughs> Uh, let me shoot a rocket launcher through a high school. Get, where's Donnie with my rocket launcher? Uh, Donnie, I need a rocket launcher. Hey, Swayze, how did you get those jackalope horns off your fucking truck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unlike IMDb with an easy 0 through 10 score, or on Tomatoes with a certified fresh percentage score, we decided to make our own scoring system. What would your score be for this movie, guys? Why don't we lead off with uh, Derek? With, no, I, I mean, with, with for me, I feel Hold like on, mine Preble, should be how much the time we have left before Derek goes first. Uh, I have eighteen minutes max. So. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> we might be in trouble. Um, honestly, guys, I, I thought about giving this a pretty legitimate score, but then I thought to myself, I've got to adhere to our normal, you know, our normal structure. Um, mm. I would give this eleven patriots out of ten commies. In my opinion, again. An absolutely perfect movie. It doesn't get much better than this. Surprised they didn't give it 50 stars. (laughs) Opportunity missed. We have have an opportunity to edit this podcast, right? (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) I'm going to give this one RPG through one Soviet chopper with minimal damage because fuck this movie. I I guess I'll go next and I'm going to give this one car full of pee over 
over <laughs> over one over one whole group of demon deer possessed children. <laughs> well played, Prince. Oh, that was great. To combine the two, one of the two best storylines in there, and just coupling them up. Well played. Um, I I will give this movie uh, the Red Sox bullpen. It's <laughs> terrible, and it's gonna ruin my life, and it's gonna make me kill myself in less than a month. <laughs> Could you believe it? In less than a month. So next week we're gonna be wrapping up Swayze September with Ghost, and uh, so we're gonna be going back to the sensitive Swayze. And you know, I can't wait to hear any kind of uh, permanent damage he made while filming that one. It'll be a nice little tie into our Halloween October. And until next time, Bye. buy more guns. Buy guns. Sleep tight, Dawson boys. <laughs> <laughs> We're coming for you. Whoa. <laughs> what is happening? Flushing. That's, yeah, that's Guys, crazy. can I wrap up my fucking my fucking cookies in peace, please? <laughs> without a comment. I thought that was Tim just rolling out all the plastic wrap for Dave Dabrowski. <laughs> yes. and I, was gonna say, I thought that was Tim rolling out the plastic wrap just like cut the wrists and just let it go. I don't think no, you guys you you guys are ruining my my joyous occasion of when I, I let Dave Dombrowski's uh some of Dave Dombrowski's blood out without him <laughs> knowing. <laughs> I, every every Tuesday night, I kidnap him and then <clears throat> let some of his blood out and then return him to his bed without him knowing. It's really dark, Tim. That's good. That's good, though. <laughs> it's not. It's not dark, Max. This is just. I mean, look. We just watched a movie where uh, deer blood turned people into demons. So <laughs> you're not wrong. Anyways, I have to pee. Yep. <laughs> All right, everybody, everybody, let's turn Skype video on and let's watch Max P. <laughs> <laughs> Just do some regular stuff, right? <laughs>